Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer, locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by The Game Sports Show and powered by The Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 12 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, we are delighted to have you here with us on Full Time. The opportunity to speak with you all about the beautiful game is something that we have been so much looking forward to. Gee, my brother, I know the answer to this question already, <laughs> but damn it, I'll ask it anyways. How in the heck are you? I'm doing pretty good, you know. Just uh, a, a couple big games, uh, a couple big results. So yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm I'm not doing nearly as good as you guys, Tano, but what I will say is that I'm doing great, and that's uh, it's definitely more than I could ask for. In today's show, we've got the heaviest of lineups, probably the, the heaviest that we've gone through in, in the past long while, probably since the World Cup. But we're going to get everyone up to speed on some major moves in the world of soccer. We're going to wrap up La Liga and Serie A. We're going to take a look at the result of the FA Cup final, the Conference League final, the Europa League final, and the Champions League final. As well, we will take a peek at the MLS and give everyone a local and regional soccer update. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's... We begin today's show by looking at some of the major moves that have been announced in the world of soccer. First and foremost, and most notably, Lionel Messi. Messi has officially announced that he will be moving to the MLS and playing at Inter Miami. Gaetano, a massive move here for arguably the greatest player to ever grace a football pitch what can you make of this stunning announcement he is going to score hundreds of goals <laughs> he's he's still so good and as much as i love mls it's just not uh, at the level that europe is uh, right now uh he is going to come here and he's going to dominate and it's going to be phenomenal to watch like I, I will happily pay 250 bucks a ticket to go to toronto to see him destroy us. If he scores 10 in a 10 nothing loss for Toronto FC, I will be more than happy with it. Yeah, you and I'm pretty sure everyone else, including myself, that would attend such a game. It's incredible because I'm not going to lie to you, I really thought that Barcelona was really on the cards. It seemed as though that there were a lot of arrows pointing in that direction that he was going to go back, but it it fell through. And, and then I thought it may have been Saudi. And then all of a sudden it was the MLS. For you, did it kind of come out of nowhere? Did you think Oh, this is this could be a possibility. So I've thought it could be a possibility for a while now. I actually thought when he first left Barcelona um, that the MLS would be a great move for him at that age. Obviously, I was very wrong. He's still, uh, you know, capable of playing in Europe at the highest level. Um, but I'm not surprised that he's ended up in Inter Miami. Uh, it's David Beckham's team, uh, so obviously there's a connection there. Um, and just it's. I don't I don't want to disrespect the Saudi Pro League, but it's just not at the level of MLS right now. It's kind of, it seems very much like MLS in its kind of early days where it's just trying to get big names to get some right. eyes and then eventually it'll kind of grow that way. Whereas MLS is a lot further along that path to becoming a real top league in the world. 
So I think it just kind of makes a little more sense for him uh, to be an MLS. And yeah, I love the move. Yeah. And uh, for me, I was I was really pleasantly surprised because when I heard that, I thought to myself, OK, well, we're getting one of the biggest stars uh, today of all time, et cetera. And it's going to be great to see. And it's, it's going to be so huge for the league now that he's there. And uh, you want to talk about growth. I think that this uh, shoots them in an upward trajectory that we could have never, ever imagined. So really looking forward to, to him playing at Inter Miami. And uh, even if they do batter Toronto FC, I'll gladly <laughs> accept it just like you. And we were talking about Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia is getting more stars coming their way for increasingly high player fees. It's Kareem Benzema and N'Golo Conte who will make their way to the Saudi Pro League. Gee, these are two incredibly high-profile players who have insanely good accolades to their name, both uh, domestically and on the international stage. They joined the Saudi Pro League and have ultimately drawn the attention of so many footballing fans, similar to how Cristiano Ronaldo did. What are your thoughts on these uh, two moves specifically? Uh, I think they're they're great moves for the players. They're both uh, in their mid to late 30s, probably not going to get that type of money uh, and longevity of contract in Europe. So to kind of secure one final payday uh, to help grow the sport uh, and, and a part of the world where it's kind of still developing, I think all around is pretty good. And if we're being real, like if, they, if anyone offered you 100 million to play soccer anywhere you're saying yes right like <laughs> um but yeah no i think i think it's great for them uh we know like they don't have they have nothing left to prove they've won basically everything they can uh across europe so i think it's great for them i think it's also great for them and it makes total sense on their part for age where they are in their career for money etc i will i found it to be a little bit i guess we'll call it funny uh when ancelotti said that he's happy for benzema but he didn't see the announcement coming I don't know if he just said that out of, um, I don't want to say spite, but uh, if he really didn't see it coming, I do find that to be quite interesting because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like going to Saudi Arabia doesn't just come out of the blue. It seems like it's probably premeditated in some way, shape, or form. But nevertheless, these are two huge stars that are going to join Ronaldo in the Saudi Pro League. And uh, you were just talking about it a moment ago, really how it's, it's nowhere near to the level that the MLS is. It's going to take a long time to grow. But the one thing that the Saudi Pro League has is a lot of money. Do you think that they're going to continue to attract a lot of stars, G? Uh, I mean, money talks, Scarps. Uh, I sure. think, uh, again, like very similar to early MLS with Thierry Henry, uh, you yeah. know, even you know David Villa, uh, uh, Andrea Pirlo. Like it kind of takes some time. You have to splash the cash a little bit to kind of attract these guys. And then the league will kind of settle down, I guess, would maybe be the best term for it. Once there's kind of enough domestic interest in it, and then that international interest will will come with that. Yeah, and I think that you just described that beautifully better than I could, certainly. But Ronaldo did say in one of his most recent interviews that he believes that the league is going to be well on its way to challenging for Europe's big five in uh, in a quicker period than most people realize. So we'll wait to see if that happens. I'm sure that it is going to continue to grow and continue to get better. But when uh, these sorts of names are going to your league, you've certainly got to be satisfied from that point of view. Gaetano, let's move it on over for the final time this season to Europe's Big Five. Now, we are only going to be talking about two leagues here, but it's important that we, of course, wrap up how the table looks now that these two leagues in particular are officially over. In Italy, Serie A, this, the final standings for all European places are as follows. Napoli, who, of course, won the league. Lazio in second. Inter in third. AC Milan get fourth. Atalanta squeak fifth. Roma gets sixth, and Juventus grab seventh. Gee, an exciting race overall for the European places in Serie A. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think 
you know, at the beginning of the season, these probably would have been the seven teams I would have had in this ballpark. Uh, order maybe slightly shifted around, but I think, uh, yeah, I think it was pretty, I don't want to say standard for for Serie because it was a very, very not standard year with the way Napoli played, the Juventus scandals. But um, yeah, I think uh, over the course of the, the season, I think it was very well earned for all the teams and uh, a pretty fair representation, I would say, of the, ta- of, uh, of the season. A fair representation, I, I think that's a good way to put it for sure. And, and Gaetano, what I would say is, well, from a consistency point of view uh, and a performance point of view, City, I was probably the best that we've seen this season out of Europe's big five. Obviously, the Bundesliga that had the best title race, uh, the Premier League had the best quality. Uh, but City, I had the highest competition for the battle of the European places because up until the last couple of match days, there was legitimately nine or 10 teams who, you know, were in the running to get one of the European places, especially with uh, how Juventus got points stripped away and these sorts of things. And not to mention the likes of Inter, AC Milan, Roma, Fiorentina, and Juventus who went deep into European competitions as well. So uh, City A certainly treated us to some great football this year, and it was incredibly competitive. In La Liga, the final standings for the European places are Barcelona in first, as we good and well know. Real Madrid gets second. Atletico Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid rather, are in third. Real Sociedad claim fourth. It's Villarreal who get fifth. Real Betis who get sixth. And Osasuna who grab seventh. G, your thoughts on the top finishers in La Liga? Yeah, a couple uh, surprise uh, European spots there, but uh, very welcome surprises. Osasuna and Real Betis uh, snagging those last spots. Um, again, really happy to see Real Sociedad, uh, led by David Silva, back in the Champions League. And yeah, pretty bog standard with the top three of Barcelona, Madrid, and Madrid. Uh, really, really uh, poor season, actually, for the Spanish teams in Europe, uh, yeah. except for, um, sorry, for Sevilla. But uh, yeah, it is a little disappointing that they finished uh, 12th, but obviously we'll get to uh, what they accomplished a little later. Um, Yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, for sure. And it was a case of, for the most part, Barcelona and everybody else. But also at the same time, like you said, nice to see those couple of, uh, of surprises. And that is officially a wrap on Europe's Big Five for the year. Gaetano of all leagues, and I'll ask that you uh, exclude Manchester City winning the Premier League title on this one, unless if you, unless if you can't, of course. Uh, but what would be your biggest highlight of the year from Europe's Big Five? Uh, so, if you want me to exclude City, I'll exclude City. Uh, you don't have I'm... to. If you can't, I totally understand because I wouldn't want to exclude Arsenal winning if they were to win. But if you could, that'd be great. If not, I understand. Um, specific moments. Uh, the the six three uh, derby against United uh, Foden Holland hat tricks was just you know phenomenal seeing two boyhood City fans you know score hat tricks against uh, United, but across Europe uh, the final day of the Bundesliga was just incredible. Uh, it was really nice to be a neutral in that because I can't imagine having allegiances uh, during that. That would have been awful. <laughs> uh, but it was just so exciting. Uh, you know there was at least like two or three times where different teams were at the top of the table. Uh, some really, really, really late goals uh, to seal it. It was perfect. Exactly what you want from the last day of, uh, of any league. Yeah, and I was a little bit torn on this because that was actually uh, like sort of my 1A, uh, you know, choice for highlight of the season because obviously I want to say Arsenal getting sort of back to where they should be. In my opinion, you know, the, the seasons of having no hope and misery now that finally I was able to dream again, that was a highlight for me personally. But I would say that my overall highlight would be Napoli winning the Scudetto in Serie A 
because it was their first uh, league title in 33 years. And no one, I mean, no one, including myself, saw them winning the title, especially with the departures that they had from the team in the summer. And to do it as dominant as they did uh, for me was just uh, truly incredible. So that would be my highlight of the season if I had to pick just one. But in Europe's Big Five, there certainly were many. Catano, it's the FA Cup that grabbed our attention like no other. A Manchester derby which was set to excite us all, and it very much lived up to the hype. After an Ilkay Gundogan goal put Manchester City up 1-0 just 14 seconds into the match, it was a Bruno Fernandes penalty that would equalize things. None other than Ilkay Gundogan yet again scores for City to regain the one-goal advantage. In the end, that's all that was really needed. Gaetano, it's your Manchester City to win the FA Cup by a score of 2-1 to one over rivals Manchester United. First and foremost, just your thoughts on this game alone. Um, honestly, it felt like it was a blur. It was, uh, you know, it's probably the biggest Manchester derby that's kind of ever happened to this point that I can think of. Um, obviously, there have been big ones in FA Cup semifinals before that, but like FA Cup final... City United it's just it was huge and it was it was tense for 13 seconds until Gundo yeah. scored uh which god bless him for doing that because I probably would have had a heart attack if he like that settled oh, yeah. the nerves right down it was it was really nice um but I think the game itself uh was pretty pretty much as expected City dominated a lot of possession United tried to hit on the counter and I think yeah 60 to 40 percent possession uh, 11 shots by City, basically what you would expect. And I think the result, uh, the final score showed that. Yeah, the, the final score for me as well was very much justified. Uh, it was nice that it was a lot closer than what people imagined. And even on our show, we said that it'd probably be a two-goal margin. And we thought that that's how it would be. But it was a lot closer than that. And I was out of town. I was in Petoskey at my soccer tournament. And us as a team, we just crammed all into one hotel room. And we all watched it. And it was brilliant because... On our team, we have a ton of United fans, not a single City fan. So you can imagine the misery that was going on in that hotel room, Gaetano. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I got one of my really good buddies back home who, you know, I'm sure he'd be loving this. But uh, no, it was it was a great final and it was uh, it was great to see for sure. And we've been talking about him uh, in this segment now uh, for a little bit here. But Ilkay Gundogan, what he did in that game, that was just that was just so special. What can you make of his brilliant performance? So this is actually something Kyle Walker said uh, a few weeks back uh, talking about Gundo. But at the end of the season, the last like two months of the season, he just turns into Zinedine Zidane. Mm -hmm. He scores, he sets up everything. He just is everywhere, does everything. Uh, you know, you think back the two goals at Villa, you know, the like, he's just, I don't know, like there's something special in his DNA. He just is the man for the moments. Uh, like that, though he scored two goal of the season contenders in the FA Cup final against United. Both of them just like f just floored me. Like yeah. you never, you would never expect in a million years to like to be up one nil in thirteen seconds the way he did it. You know, even that's one of those those one of those moments when Holland heads the second ball and the ball is in the air and Gundo's running onto it. We're like, I, when when we're playing soccer, if the bot that happens, you're yelling, "Oh, hit it, hit it!" Because you know, yeah. ha ha, it's gonna fly over the bar. And like I was sitting in on my bed right here and I was like hit it and it flies into the top corner and it was just it was perfect it was brilliant he's just 
he's just brilliant. I, I, I'm out of words for him. He's just the yeah. best. <laughs> no, he's he's immense. And obviously, we, we shouldn't be talking about this now. We'll have to save it for July if and when it does happen. But there is some talk that he might leave City. And um, because he, he and he's been saying, too, I don't know what I'm going to do next. But it's going to be hard to see or even think of him leaving, you know, City captain, as we're going to talk about, just done the treble. Amazing, amazing performances, uh, especially in the last few months of the season. But he is just special. And what he did in that FA Cup final was, um, in some ways, indescribable. So he was he was truly amazing. And for you, Gaetano, yes, of course, City win. But United, as we said, did make it difficult. And my question for you here is, what can you say about how you feel about this one? Because I know that you wanted this one badly. You even said in some cases that you were more nervous about this one than you were the Champions League final. So to do it against your rivals, as we know in all sports, always special, but even more so in soccer. The floor is yours, sir. How do you feel about this one personally? It was a really kind of full circle moment for the club, not just for me. Uh, in 2011, kind of a couple of years after the Sheik took over, uh, the FA Cup semifinal, City United, uh, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson had called us the noisy neighbors, you know, not in, not in my lifetime was his, his famous quote. Um, but City went on to beat them 1-0, one, one Yaya Toure scored the only goal. And it was kind of like the power started to shift. That's when, you know, Manchester started to turn a little blue. So to, to beat them in the FA Cup final, you know, 12 years later, it kind of, it's it's full circle. Like Manchester is fully blue now where, you know, it's not up for debate anymore. You know, they can have the past because we've got the present. Uh, it was just, it's just everything beating United. You know, I don't care whether it's like the, the senior team, the women's team, the youth teams, whether you're playing the preseason friendly, like you have to beat United. I'm a, I'm a pretty reasonable fan. You know, I, I try not to, to be too unrealistic, but when you play United, you have to beat them every time, no exceptions, there's no excuses. Um, and to do it on, you know, basically England's biggest stage, uh, was just just perfect yeah and uh, I share the same sentiment because I feel that whenever Arsenal play Tottenham it's not yeah. even a draw is a loss you know yeah. you can't you have to beat Tottenham and I understand that you have to beat United but it, it's incredible like you, you mentioned there 12 years football there's no there's no sport like it how you can have a complete and total change within one specific place in the world in the space of 12 years because now as you said Manchester is blue and uh there is no argument against that. And once more, it is Manchester City who are the 2023 FA Cup champions. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Shifting gears to Europe now. Let's have a look at the Conference League Cup final. The final took place between Fiorentina of Italy and West Ham of England. After two goals in the space of five minutes, one goal for each side respectively, saw the game all square. It was Jared Bowen who popped up for a 90th minute winner. West Ham who win the Conference League by a score of 2-1. to one. On a slightly lesser note, although very admirable nonetheless, West Ham also go undefeated in the entire competition. Gaetano, what can you say about this huge win from West Ham? Uh, yeah, this is this is huge for them. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time they won any sort of major trophy. Um, they've been kind of just a you know mid-table team in the Premier League for a very long time now. Uh, they've had a lot of 
poor seasons. Let's uh, let's be real. Uh, so for them to turn it around, uh, get a European trophy, a conference league or not, you know, it's not the biggest one. Doesn't matter. Still European trophy. Uh, it's huge for them. Yeah, definitely huge. And I think David Moyes deserves a lot of credit because, uh, like you said, mid-table for a very long time, but in the past couple of seasons, been flirting with those European places, getting into the Europa League and now winning the Conference League. That That's a difficult thing to do. And uh, to be a club in London when you're, you're going up against the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, these sorts of things, he's brought a lot of stability to that club. And for them to win uh, a European title is absolutely huge. And just your thoughts, G, on this cup competition, because it is new over the past couple of seasons. But what do you have to say about it personally? Because we saw it last year with Roma. This year we see it with West Ham. What are your thoughts on it? I really like it. I, I like the idea of giving, you know, kind of mid-table, like upper mid-table teams, you know, a chance at a European trophy. Because let's be real, like West Ham and Fiorentina, probably not challenging for a Champions League unless something, you know, dramatic happens uh, in the next couple of years. So for them to be able to challenge for a European title, give those fans the opportunity to travel around Europe supporting their team and celebrating with the team, I think it's it's phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal too. And uh, it's more soccer on, again, like you said, not the highest stage by any stretch of the imagination, but it is European football and it makes it so, so exciting. And you uh, you said you didn't know the last time that they won a title. Folks, West Ham do claim the Europa League Conference League title for and their first European title since... 1965 so well done to West Ham it's been a long time coming the Europa League final a little bit of everything and it was decided on penalties in the end the match between two prolific sides Sevilla of Spain and Roma of Italy saw this game go the distance only for it to be decided from the penalty spot after the match ended one to one it was Sevilla who prevailed on penalties by a score of four to one Gaetano Huge controversy in this one with referee decisions. Did Roma have a case that they were a bit hard done by in this final? Uh, yes and no. Uh, the decisions felt very much, you know, if you're a Roma fan, they went against you. But if those, if, if the roles were reversed, Roma fans wouldn't have want them called. So, like, I do feel for them. But at the same time, I, I think the referee got it right. Okay, fair enough. And I think there's a lot of people who are on both sides of the aisle on this one. Obviously, I think the abuse that the referee, uh, I think it was Anthony Taylor, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. got after the game uh, in the airport, everywhere else, probably wasn't deserved. I don't think anybody really deserves that. But um, it probably begs a, a bigger question if referees should have to answer to some questioning, because I do have some questions as well. I'm not sure that the... I don't want to say that the result was justified because the game was probably going penalties anyways, maybe. But um, yeah, it was. It, it. I don't want to say it left a bit of a stain on the game, but unfortunately, there's still a lot of question marks around it instead of us kind of celebrating that Sevilla win purely. But Sevilla, nevertheless, they do win this competition yet again for a record seventh time. They never actually lost in this final each time that they've been in it. So 7-0. and How does this team do it, G? I, I don't know. Uh, there's there's something in the water in Sevilla, man. Like they just are born and bred to win this uh, win this competition. Um, I thought it was a great final, super entertaining. Um, the Dybala goal was great. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was brilliant. Uh, Sevilla absolutely deserved it, and uh, are you know kings of uh, the Europa League again. Again, yes, and we say that so often. And uh, you know they they finished mid table 
in La Liga, and then all of a sudden they're they're dominating this competition. So how you don't know how they do it, I don't know either. But what I do know is that right now in in Roma, it is uh, it's misery for that club. And the big question here is, uh, Gaetano, if Mourinho is going to remain the manager of this great Italian club, what do you think? Does he stay or will he go? How many years has he been there? Uh, I think that this is now his uh, second season, if I'm not mistaken, unless if it's his third, but I want to say two for sure. I thought last year may have been his first. Yeah, because he typically only does three years at a club before he just right. implodes. So uh, if it hasn't happened yet, it'll probably happen at some point next season. So I think he'll stick around for a little bit. Uh, it'll all you know, kind of blow up and then he'll be out. Yeah, and the, the thing of it is too, I don't know, and I, I, I don't have it with me, of course, so I don't want to say it, but they haven't spent much money. And, yeah. you know, for him, like most managers, of course, and Pep says it often, you know, you want the best players, you got to spend money. But that's just the nature of football. It's the nature of sport. So unless if they're willing to splash a little bit of cash, uh, they'll be in the Europa League next season again because of their uh, finish in uh, Serie A. They're going to have to spend some money, I think, if they want him to stick around. Otherwise, like you said, it's probably um, something to implode on the cards. It is once again for a seventh time, Sevilla, who are the champions of the Europa League. And now it's time for the big one, the Champions League final. Manchester City had the opportunity for an incredible and historic treble opportunity if they won the Champions League against Inter Milan. After a scoreless first half, it was Rodri who popped up in the 68th minute, which turned out to be the match winner. It's Manchester City who are crowned European champions as the winners of the Champions League. And incidentally, they also went undefeated in this competition's entirety. Gaetano, first and foremost, I want to say congratulations on this to you, as it is the first time that Manchester City, your club, have ever won the Champions League. And second, I want to ask for you personally, and most people watching our show will really understand this, but for those who are just casual fans of the sport, it may take some doing to truly understand this. What does this mean for you? Uh, so first of all, thank you. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was huge. Um, like I said, it was, it was the longest 90 minutes of my life. That was, uh, it was so, it, it was just, I, I'm still struggling for words with it. It still, it doesn't feel real yet. You know, um, kind of in the aftermath of the game, like when the pictures come out, like I change my phone background, like I do all that. And I still like every time I open my phone and see like, Gundo lifting the Champions League trophy it like it like stops me for a second like every morning so far like Saturday or Sunday morning and Monday morning I've woken up and like when I see that I'm like that like that 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 happened like I I've ordered this the commemorative scarf and like t-shirt but it's, it doesn't feel real it feels like I'm I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and it's gonna be Saturday morning again and we're gonna have to like go through that um yeah it's just yeah it's <laughs> It's it's like, you know, literally watching a dream come true, uh, like right in front of your eyes. I, I sent you the clip of me watching the last uh, the few yeah. seconds there. And like you can see the moment when it clicks where it's like, oh, like it it's happened. And then it was, you know, crying on my floor for about 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I trimmed the clip for you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, No, um, it's uh, that's sports, man, isn't it? Yeah, it was just, you know, I've been sporting this club for about about 15 years now. And uh, it just you know, in, the, in those last minutes, it really didn't hit until kind of like the 85th, 86th minute when I just started kind of, you know, all everything started running through my head. Like when I first started watching soccer in my friend Cam's basement, 
you know, I'd bike to his house in the morning. We'd watch the Premier League games in the morning, spend the afternoon at Tom Tipton, kicking around, recreating all the goals that were scored that day, and then go home and play FIFA till three in the morning and rinse and repeat every weekend, you know, in high school. Yep. Um, you know, it was that, you know, remembering City getting out of the Champions League group stage for the first time, celebrating that, and then playing Barcelona three years ago in the round of 16, like... <laughs> You know, and then it was like the slow progress and then, you know, finally making the semifinal and losing to a Fernando own goal. And then, you know, making the semifinal again and getting to the final and, and losing to Chelsea. You know, the disallowed goal against Spurs, you know, blowing the 3-1 lead against Madrid last year. And it just kind of all started flooding back and then the final whistle went and yeah, it was just just a dream come true. Um yeah, I, I like. I, I really. It's still. It's like I said. It doesn't feel real yet. It. It hasn't sunk in. I don't. I don't know when it will sink in. They had the pro. The trophy parade today. Like yeah. I've seen all the pictures. I like. I, I like. I know we've won it, but it, it just doesn't feel real yet. Do you feel like even though it doesn't feel real, and I can only ask this question because my club ha- hasn't done it yet, uh, and I'm hoping that in my lifetime that we do in fact do it. But do you feel like because this was the one that you were missing in your trophy cabinet? like even though it doesn't feel real does it feel like a weight has been lifted or oh yeah like just you know seeing seeing the trophy with like the the like the baby blue and white ribbons was you know more like that Mm -hmm. that to me alone was worth you know every heartbreak in the last you know 15 years supporting city um yeah to see to see gundo lift the trophy it was just yeah, I, I, I truly, I, I truly never thought I would see the day. Like, really, you know. And I was, I was happy with that. I was at peace with it. You know, I've always said that winning the Premier League is always kind of the, the most important. Uh, you know, proving your consistency over a thirty-eight game season against the best teams in the world to me it always feels a little better than uh, like a cup competition. Where you know, I don't want to disrespect Inter here, but their their path to the final was nowhere near as difficult as City's. City played yep. Leipzig, Munich, and Real Madrid. Um, so I've always felt that it's a little, you know, and it can be imbalanced sometimes. So I've never held it kind of quite as high, but like, I wanted it. I wanted it really, really, really badly. Uh, and yeah, to finally get it is just, yeah, as just indescribable. You and every other city fan, because uh, everyone had been talking about like how badly the club needed this. Right. And finally, now you do have it, but you spoke about imbalance, but you know what that is? That's tournament football. You can yeah. look at that from a youth, youth point of view. You can look at it from a professional point of view. You can have those imbalances, but the fact of the matter is the best team did win. The best team almost always wins. And I'm really happy for you, man. But on the game itself, in my opinion here, and this is just my opinion here, that it, I found it to be a little bit all over the place in certain moments, or at least in patches. Uh, both sides made mistakes, none of which really turned out to be costly, but it was a little bit uncharacteristic from both sides to make the mistakes that I saw throughout the match, the likes of poor giveaways, sloppy passing, uh, players falling all over the pitch due to some very slippery conditions, even um, on goal kicks and things like this, the goalkeepers falling down, uh, some very poor set pieces, uh, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously with the hamstring, that never really looked right. But particularly in the first half and in the early stages of the second half, there were things in that game that just didn't look right to me. Uh, was it just nerves, Gaetano, or was this a case of defensive schemes, particularly from an Inter point of view, um, that, that caused these mistakes to happen? Uh, I think it was a bit of both. I think Inter set up really, really well uh, tactically to kind of uh, counter Man City. Uh, they didn't really give John Stones that freedom that he's had in midfield in uh, in recent months which has been huge for us. He's been one of our best players. Um, 
so I think that was definitely part of it. And I think nerves got in there. Uh, obviously, it's the Champions League final. Uh, I don't think many of these players uh, have played uh, like in major finals like this before. Only the few Man City players that played in the 2021 final. And I don't think anyone out of Inter's starting 11 ever has. So I definitely think some nerves uh, were involved in there as well. But uh, yeah, I really, you know, from a tactical perspective, really liked Inter's setup. Uh, it countered Man City very, very well. Holland was you know, pretty quiet all game, which we haven't said a lot this year. Um, and yeah, I think the mistakes were just, yeah, were going to happen naturally. A few more than, uh, you know, as a fan that you would have liked. But uh, I thought, yeah, mostly tactical, I would say. Yeah, and, and as you know, you coach, I coach. More times than not, and I've been a part of many, many of finals as a coach, you almost never have your best performance in a final. Almost never. It's, uh, you know, it's a case of you're going up against difficult opposition, Inter set up really well tactically, so it was always going to be difficult. But I like how you say a bit of both, because I, I do agree that it probably was a bit of both there. And going into the match, Manchester City were the favorites. That being said, so many people counted Inter Milan out of the match before it even began. In the end, it was actually Inter rather who had more shots on target than Manchester City, if, uh, if you can believe that. Gaetano, people probably don't realize just how close this game actually was between possession statistics, attempts on goal, attacking opportunities, those defensive errors that we just uh, talked about uh, a little bit earlier, and even set pieces. How close was this game from someone like yourself who had a vested interest in it? Uh, you know, if Lukaku puts a header a couple inches either side of Ederson's leg, it's it's a tie game in, what, the 70th odd minute? Yep. Uh, like it was that close. Uh, you know, even off that save, the ball, you know, Ruben Diaz uh, heads it away, could have very easily headed into his own net. It was not far off. Like, it was a game of inches the entire the entire 90 minutes in stoppage time. Uh, it really, really could have gone either way. Yeah, and then there was that crossbar moment and then the header <laughs> that hit uh, Lukaku's heels. If he's not in the way, maybe that one goes in, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like you said, a game of inches for sure, and, and it really did come down to fine margins in that final. But in the end, it is Manchester City who complete the historic treble, the Premier League, the FA Cup, and now the Champions League all in the same season. This has only ever been done once before in England, and that was when Manchester United did it back in the 1998-99 season. As you said, they have the past, you have the present, that is 100% true. But Gaetano, did you ever think, and I know you said as a City fan, you, you probably never thought that this could happen, but... You know, as this season was going on, did you ever think, okay, this could be a possibility? And my second part here is, do you ever think that this is ever going to happen again for any club in England? So at at the start of every year, it's like it's like just a city thing. You go, ha, we're on for the for the quadruple. You know, we'll win the Prem, we'll win the Champions League, we'll win the Carabao Cup, and we'll win the FA Cup. And like, it's it's super unrealistic, and that's that's the joke is that it's it's not ever going to happen. Ha ha. You know, we have managed to walk the domestic quadruple once, which was you know, phenomenal, hasn't been done before, uh, hadn't been done before, hasn't been done since, probably won't happen again. You know, that that alone, the, the domestic quadruple in 2018-19, like that felt like that was once in a lifetime. That was, you know, the peak, four trophies, we're never going to be better than that. I, I, I really, at no point in the season until after the two semifinals, when, it, when we were in the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, that's when the first kind of like, oh, we might actually do this. And even then, it was like, it was a fever dream still. It was like, you know, well, 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 City will be typical City and we'll, you know, lose to United or we'll lose to Inter or we'll blow the league and not get a treble. Like, it was, there was something bad was going to happen. And, you know, so then when we won the league, it's okay. We have one down, still the two finals to go. Still, we can typical City this. 
and then we beat United and then it's like okay like this is on the grandest stage of all is going to be the most the most typical city of all like it really did not like it did I didn't feel it was going to happen until the you know to the ref blew the final whistle in in Istanbul that was like the the honest truth I thought you know Inter was so good they had chances uh some city players played probably their best games ever for city and Ederson being one of them yeah uh, until the referee blew the final whistle I did not truly believe that the treble was possible and I don't I don't want to say we'll never see it again because you know we might but I I wouldn't I wouldn't count on it fair enough and it's one of those things that in football we say it all the time on full-time it's football anything can happen so we could see it but the likelihood is not very much but um yeah it's the trouble being a possibility until very late i have to be honest with you do you remember the 2-1 against fulham away uh yes very 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 late holland penalty i think won that one yeah so that one is when i said okay i think they might do it this year and then it was sometime around may 12th when i tweeted that city will win the uh the the trouble and again this is somebody who is like an outsider looking in because i'm not a city fan obviously but i thought to myself there's something that it's just telling me that they'll do it. So I actually had this belief even before you did. But again, <laughs> you're you're nervy about it. I'm not because obviously I'm hoping that it doesn't happen because I wanted Arsenal yeah. <laughs> to win the Premier League. But I had this feeling in that 2-1 against Fulham. I'm like, City weren't great in that game, but they're doing what they have to do. And I'm thinking, okay, this could happen. And then it was that mid-May moment where I'm like, yeah, I think they're going to do it. And sure as all heck they did. But once again, congratulations, Gaetano. You fully deserve it because Manchester City, the rightful and first-time winners of the prestigious Champions League 2022-2023 season. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Gaetano, we are now embarking on that point of the season in the MLS where things start to take some kind of shape. Gee, what have you been making of the league thus far? Uh, it's been really, really exciting. Obviously, the Messi news has kind of uh, felt like an adrenaline shot uh, to the league. But uh, the play on the field has been super, super good. A um, couple surprises still. Uh, St. Louis City still sitting top of the West right now. Uh, never saw that coming in a million years. Toronto FC sitting in 12th in the East. Uh, they're just painfully, painfully bad. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, Outside of TFC being terrible, I think the uh, the league's been great so far this year. Yeah, I agree with you, and it's been great on weekends to be able to turn on, as we do every year. And you know, whether you're out somewhere, whether you're at home, or you're just getting home from being out somewhere, and you're flicking it on, and you've got your football to watch, and it's right in your backyard. I think it's just so great. And in the East, uh, it is Cincinnati who are top with 40 points. They are eight points clear of second place Nashville. In the West, St. Louis are top of the conference, but a significantly tighter race over there as Seattle are in second. On a personal note here, our team, Gaetano, as you were just talking about, Toronto FC, are 12th in the Eastern Conference and having the most difficult time just winning a game. They currently have 19 points, but the more staggering part of TFC season is that in the 18 games that they've played, they have 10 draws. They really just can't get over the line to win a game. Gaetano, first your thoughts on the top of each conference and second your analysis of what is actually going on with TFC at this moment in time because Lorenzo Cini banged an absolute screamer just a few days ago, but again, not enough to get over the line. 
Yeah, so I mentioned St. Louis sitting on top of the West. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um, you know, it feels very much uh, like the Vegas Golden Knights in in the NHL, where it's yes. like this expansion team comes in and they're just great, and that's not supposed to happen. They're they're supposed to suck for a little bit, you know. Um, but I am also happy that Seattle is uh, not in first because I have a deep rooted uh, hatred for them. So it's very nice to see that. And Cincinnati and Nashville uh, sitting on top of the East uh, is a really kind of uh, welcome surprise. Uh, a couple of the typical big hitters like New York City and Atlanta and uh, New England have kind of fallen off the pace a little bit. So it's a, a really wide open race there. And TFC, I, they have been struggling. Like they don't have a spine in the team anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was super important they got Sean Johnson in you know, other than his mistake uh, on Saturday night, uh, which was horrific, by the way. Um, other than that, he's been playing really well. He's great. But, you know, we don't have uh, a real solid center back pairing and we haven't replaced Michael Bradley uh, in that kind of defensive midfield. He's kind of holding the team together. And I think if that until that gets sorted out, they will continue to struggle and they'll continue to not win games. Yeah. And uh, my preseason prediction, I even think I actually said it on this show, but certainly with everyone that I had talked to. I think that Toronto would push for a, a playoff position this year. I never thought that they'd make any noise, but that they would push for a playoff position this year. And we know about this in North American sports, likes of NHL, NBA, et cetera, that you could push for a playoff position. doesn't mean you're going to get it, but at least you're going to be in the running for it. I don't see that that's going to happen. See where the next, like where three points are going to come from. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it feels like it's one step forward, two steps back. So, you know, we get Insigne scoring goals and then Sean Johnson has a howler. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah it's just, it's going to, I think it's just going to be a season like that unless they, uh, you know, unless MLSE wants to splash the cash on a third DP uh, in the summer and bring in like a real, real game changer. I don't know who they would bring in, you know, who's going to be available and kind of what, uh, what kind of budget they're going to have for that. But unless they bring in someone uh, to change something, and you know, I would not be against a coaching change either at this point in the season. Uh, if, it, if it runs like this all season, it's going to be a, a long, long season for Toronto FC. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, as I said at the beginning of our MLS segment here, this is where at point of the season, 17 games, anywhere from 15 to 20 games, you're looking at the league really starting to take shape. So if, if this is how things are going to be, it's going to be a long road ahead for TFC, but we'll definitely keep folks updated here on full time as to how things go in the MLS and especially for Toronto FC. Folks, it is now time for a local and regional soccer update. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's men's, women's and youth soccer that are in full swing. Men's games take place at Superior Heights Soccer Field in the evenings from Sunday to Thursday. Women's and youth games take place at Strathclair Park in the evenings from Sunday to Thursday as well. Occasionally, Women's League is played at the historic Tonkton Park, as well as uh, those games being played throughout the week. Gaetano, how have you been enjoying the startup to this season so far? Uh, it's been good so far. Uh, you know, it's just it's nice being back at the, the outdoor fields. I love the, the NCC, but... Uh... Anytime you're like out, you have all the fields, everyone's playing on all the fields. It's, 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 a, it's a great feeling. Yeah, it definitely is. And I was actually having a conversation with a buddy of mine at the gym today, and he was saying the exact same thing. It's nice to get off the indoor turf because the body needed a break, and it's nice to get back outside. It's just, it's definitely a different feel, isn't it? Yeah. And in high school soccer, it was St. Mary's senior girls who won their regional competition of NASA and were able to attend the prestigious OFSA competition in Coburg, Ontario just this past week. After finishing the group stage with a perfect record of four wins, zero draws, and zero losses, it was on to the quarterfinals. On a historic note, no Sault Ste. Marie team had ever advanced past the quarterfinal stage at OFSA. 
my team included, back when I was in grade 13 at St. Basil. However, history was made not once, but twice as the senior girls team won the quarterfinal and the semifinal and advanced the provincial championship. Unfortunately, it was penalties that was to decide the final outcome, and St. Mary's fell just short. That said, a historic feat for the Sault Ste. Marie side, finishing second in the province, the first time such a triumph has ever have, uh, which has ever been accomplished, rather, in the sport of soccer in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Gaetano, I'll start with this. It's so difficult to just reach a cup final, as you know, and obviously it sucks to lose in cup finals. We both experienced uh, being on the winning side this past indoor season, but it, it sucks to lose in cup finals. And just for context, because I just want to stick with high school soccer here now. From this point of view, I've coached now for five years in high school soccer, but I'll just focus on the last two seasons because I've switched now to a new school coaching. In the last two seasons alone, I've reached two cup finals as a coach, and I've lost them both. And it's incredibly difficult. But this team here, they reached a cup final at the provincial level. Just how big of an accomplishment is this, despite the fact that they fall short on penalties? I, it's it's massive. And I, I know they probably won't see that, um, you know, definitely not right now, maybe not for weeks or months, maybe even years. Uh, but I think at some point in their lives, they will look back at this and realize like that is just an, a ridiculous accomplishment to be, you know, the second best team in the province, um, you know, to go to penalties and lose to, which is just even worse. Um, yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge accomplishment. Yeah. And it's something that I'm not sure if, if anybody would have ever expected. Uh, out of a team from Sault Ste. Marie, but I mean, those players, that coaching staff, that that program, which I used to coach for for three years, I was able to win three leagues and three city titles there. They've got to be so proud of their players, but uh, I think the way you said it was really, really good in the, in the sense that they might not see it today, not tomorrow, weeks, months, maybe years, but at some point they're going to look back on it, and I'm sure that they're going to be proud of themselves. They deserve a ton of credit. And gee, I've been able to play in this prestigious provincial event in, in three different sports, one of which includes the sport of soccer from my time at uh, St. Basil Secondary. And for me, being able to play in that offset competition for soccer against the best of the best in the province, I can honestly say that it was an honor in and of itself to, to just be there. But for this group to be able to capture a medal on this stage is something that we may not see for a long, long time again. So in your opinion, Gaetano, do you think that this is something that can go down for a young player as one of their greatest ever achievements in the sport? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, I, I hold my my indoor title that uh, Barcelona won uh, a couple months ago, very, very near and dear. My, you know, my house league uh, hockey, you know, playoff wins. Like, I still, like, I still celebrate those. I still am friends with a couple of the teammates from those teams. Like, those are hugely formative moments. And, you know, we played house league. It was not this level. It was not provincial level. So I think absolutely this will, uh, you know, unless, you know, a kid from that team or two go on to play at an even higher level, you know, maybe, you know, a university, a, you know, professional league, you know, even a national team, who knows, like until they kind of hit those levels, like this will probably be one of the highlights of their life and absolutely should be. I agree with you 100% because I reflect back to my times at Offs and some of the most formidable moments that I've had in uh, not just in my soccer career, but in my sporting career as well. So I think you, you hit it spot on there. And once more, a massive congratulations to St. Mary Senior Girls team for being the only Sault Ste. Marie representative at the provincial championships this year, by the way, and bringing home an incredibly honorable silver medal, which once again has never been done in the history of Sault Ste. Marie soccer at the high school level. 
This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we bring today's show to a close, we want to extend our deepest gratitude for your support of us, bringing you content throughout the last seven months has been nothing short of incredible. Gaetano, although there is no off-season in soccer, it's not like traditional sports, we are entering that quote-unquote down period. If you like, we have had a heck of a ride in all facets of the beautiful game for the last seven months, and it's been brilliant to be with you on this show. Another great one here tonight, probably your favorite of the lot. Well done, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been super special to be able to, you know, I'll never be able to forget this season, you know, not only what happened on the pitch, but the fact that, uh, you know, you brought me into the, the full-time family. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's been perfect. Um, so thank you so much for bringing me in on this. It's been an absolute pleasure, uh, you know, talking soccer with you, you know, almost every week for the past few months now. Uh, yeah, it was a phenomenal season. I'm really looking forward to the off season. Uh, and I also can't wait to get back uh, into this with you for some silly transfer season because that's always fun. Always a good time indeed. <laughs> and yes, the past seven months, they've been hectic. We've been talking footy every week or every other week. Uh, and it's been really great and being able to get the support from uh, the likes of people in our community, the likes of the folks in uh, in Michigan, which has been great because, of course, uh, when this show started with Scott Nason, uh, God rest his soul, you know, there were so many people from Michigan who support our show. They continue to support our show, and I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else other than you, brother. So uh, thank you so much for everything that you've been doing for our show and uh, that we've been doing together. It's been awesome. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of July 10th, 23. So we are going to be taking a little bit of a break uh, here, folks, and a little bit of off time because, again, there is no true offseason in soccer. But now we do enter that down period, which is very short because we only have about a month before things really turn around. So we're going to take a little bit of time here for the next three to four weeks, and then we'll get back to you folks uh, about everything in the world of soccer and uh, in that next show, we will have a look at the MLS. We'll preview the upcoming uh, summer transfer window because, as you said, Gaetano, some funny stuff certainly is bound <laughs> to happen this summer. And uh, we'll have a look at local soccer as well. And if uh, there is any updates uh, that happen in the world of soccer, we'll be sure to keep everyone up to speed. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms, both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best always. <laughs>